the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. Now, my co- regular co-host, Mark Honf, is off today. But, of course, we have Patty Cohen of Pacific Union International here. Mm-hmm. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate, which is worth about $100, uh, given away during this show. And the certificates are not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Our uh, trivia theme is Jerry. General trivia, and we do have a special guest today, Shanae Mabry from Old Republic Title Exchange. Or how do you Old, Old Republic, Republic Exchange? Exchange. Okay, you got it. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, why don't you give the audience? Uh, you know, most of our audience is fairly sophisticated, but you know, for those who aren't, why don't you give a little feed, a little uh, background on ten thirty one? Sure. So when someone is looking to sell investment property or property that they have held for productive use in their trade or business, they can structure that sell as a 1031 exchange, which allows them to defer having to pay the capital gains tax, which if they're selling in California, they're looking at paying anywhere between 25 upwards of 42% in taxes. So it can be a huge savings for yeah, them. Because it's not just federal, it's California also. Correct. Okay. And I remembered, uh, you know, hearing that they were thinking about getting rid of it. Yeah, I still have a job. Yeah. <laughs> it is a wonderful tool. Yeah. So many people use it. Yeah. I, I know. I, I remember when um, uh, we, there was a, another person who used to work for uh, Old Republic Exchange, and, and she was explaining that it w- it'd be amazing how many uh, jobs would be affected. Oh, it was significant. Yeah. There was a study done by Ernst, Ernest & Young that talks specifically about... Ernst & Young, yes, a good uh, <laughs> CPA firm, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they talked specifically about the negative impact that it would have on not just the real estate community, but just the economy as a whole, and it was substantial. So hmm. we're really glad that uh, 1031 exchanges overall was preserved. I mean, I can imagine people who have a large gain built into their property, if they... F- find that they would have to pay a lot of taxes, they may say, you know, it's, it may just not be worth selling the property and paying all those taxes. I'll just keep it, yeah. which would then not give the government tax money anyway, temporarily. And then also you, the, the real estate agents wouldn't be doing the buying or the selling and the right. title companies wouldn't get the business. And then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a trickle down. Effect. Oh, it's, it is a trickle. Yeah. Then you'd also have banks affected and uh, appraisers. I mean, it, really, it's amazing. It's a lot. Yeah. And you'd have a lot of people paying a lot of taxes or not selling. I mean, because yeah. some people will just say, I'm going to just sell. And then the government gets a chunk of change. Now, if they, yeah, if they were to lower the capital gains tax rate. A tremendous amount. That might not be good for your business, though, right? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. You have some people who just say, I don't want to give the government a dollar. That's yeah. how it usually is. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I'm one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I know. I always try to, you know, if legally just push off as much taxes as possible. Yeah. You, you know? know, it's a great tool. I always refer to a 1031 exchange as an interest, an interest-free loan from the government. That's true. You yeah. know, you don't pay it until you're ready to pay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Because there's no interest or penalties uh, on it. It's just it's deferred. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very that's yeah. a very good point. Um, let's see, we've got a couple of minutes here. So, how does the new tax laws affect 1031, if at all? So, with the new tax law, what they did is they initially what they were wanting to do was eliminate 1031 exchanges altogether. Mm-hmm. And we really fought back and pushed back. And thank you to all those in the real estate community that fought for that and for the preservation of 1031 exchanges. So with the new law, what they've done is they have eliminated personal property exchanges. So this is more common if someone were looking to sell a business. Maybe you have a restaurateur who wanted to sell both the real property itself and the business. They might be selling the liquor license or things of that nature. And before they could structure the sale of the business and all of the personal property through a 1031 exchange. So with the new tax law, they have eliminated all personal property exchanges. So it's just real property. So I wonder, I wonder how they're structuring it now. Are they pushing more of it into the real property part? I don't know. It's tricky stuff. It, yeah. it but is then, But then you also have the transfer tax, which I don't know if there – is there a transfer tax on businesses? Probably. I don't, I don't, don't know. know. That's Not, a good question. Yeah, I don't believe there's transfer tax on the, the sale of personal property personal like property, the business, but, yeah. but there is a transfer tax that's assessed on real property. Because it's always like the sales tax. You know, if mm-hmm. I sell my car to you and you sell the car to, you know. They, exactly. The government keeps dipping in every time that they can. It's kind of crazy. Okay, tell you what, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break. Before we do, uh, Jeff Lerman is having a symposium. He is a uh, super lawyer, as they say, a real estate attorney. It says here, if you're a commercial real estate investor, syndicator, broker, contractor, property manager, or anyone else involved in commercial real estate, you need to attend the fifth annual commercial real estate update trends and networking symposium. Uh, and I've been to a few of these and they are, there's packed full of information and uh, it'll talk about the new laws, uh, blockchain, uh, rising construction prices, rising interest rates, and the list goes on. So uh, check out realestateinvestorlaw.com. But for the four lucky people, um, we have been given four free tickets to this full day education, which each ticket's worth $125. So if you want a free ticket, we're going to take the first four callers. If you say free ticket, and we'll figure out how to get it to you. 888-912-1190. All right, now we're going to cut to our first commercial break trivia question. It is, what spice is considered the most expensive one by weight? Call 888-912-1190. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. For more information on this program, Call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Patty Cohen of Pacific Union International. Uh, First trivia question. What spice is often considered the most expensive one by weight? 
Patty, you know the answer. Saffron. Saffron. That is correct. <laughs> Apparently a little tiny bit. It's like $10,000 an ounce, but it's so light. Yeah. And only a little bit takes, you know, makes the whole paella. <laughs> exactly. And most of it comes from Iran, too. Iran? Oh, I thought mm-hmm. it was India. Iran. Iran. Fair. Yep. Right. There you go. That's, Ooh, you know, yeah. that's, that's our next trivia question. <laughs> Thank you. No. Okay. Um, so we have a special guest, uh, Shanae Mabry from Old Republic Exchange. Um, so you told us in the last segment, personal property does not qualify, that, like Correct. tractors or businesses. Um, so what qualifies would be just real property? So all real property that's held for investment purposes or for productive use in their trade or business. Uh, but does land Land does qualify. That didn't used to, did it? It does. Oh, it's, it's, it's yeah, always it's been? still okay. real property. Okay. Now, the challenge is that when someone exchanges out of a property with a depreciable asset, maybe like a building or a home on it, and they exchange into bare land, well, land is a non-depreciable asset. Correct. So by exchanging into the bare land, they might be subject to some depreciation recapture. Oh, they don't just take the new basis and put it into the land as whatever that low basis is? Right, because you've got, take it, or excuse me, look at it this way. If you have someone who maybe has taken $200,000 of depreciation on their real property and then they're going to exchange into bare land, which is non-depreciable, well, they've got $200,000 that they now have to recapture in taxes. You'd, you'd. I would have, oh, interesting. Okay, I would have thought that they would have just the basis in the new land purchase would have just been two hundred thousand lower, no. but they, they make you recapture that. Mm-hmm. So if you go into a building of the same value, then you then you just carry forward that basis. No, no problem. Yeah, there. that's kind of weird. That's kind of a uh-huh. little penalty, isn't it? The the government giveth and it taketh, and it, yeah. it, it sure taketh away <laughs> more than it giveth. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> and then, what are some of the common pitfalls that you see in an exchange? You know, it's really interesting. Um, A lot of times when buyers are doing their due diligence inspections on a property and they're buying from a seller who is looking to exchange, when there are repair items that come up as a result of the inspection report, you know, the buyer's going to typically go back to the seller and ask for a credit for all of those repairs. Well, credits for repair items are non-exchange-related expense. So is that considered boot? That's boot, baby. Uh, boot, baby. <laughs> Boot-a. <laughs> <laughs> so, or as my assistant calls it, bootleg. Bootleg. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, those credits on a closing statement could be taxable to an exchanger. So it's always a little bit of a gray area. And if they have the ability to just do a price reduction. Price reduction is the way to go always. Anyway. Yeah. 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 And it yeah. works for the benefit of not only the exchanger, but also for the buyer because their tax basis yeah, is going to be based on. I was going to say, the property tax yeah. basis, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a very good point. We usually do price reductions these days. And a lot of times the lender can only do 3% anyway in a, a credit. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's easy. Yeah, otherwise, what, they have to re-figure out their numbers. Well, right? you just don't get that much back. Sorry, buyer. Yeah. No, that's not good. Yeah. And then um, when should someone contact you to handle their exchange? So I always prefer, if at all possible, to speak with someone when they're in the planning stages. You know, if I could even get them before they have their property listed, if possible, that's really ideal because then what I can do is work with them, plan out strategies for success of their exchange transaction. As long as the exchange is set up before they close on the sale of their property, 
you know, they're just fine. So even if they were to contact us, you know, the day before closing, or we often get the calls, we're signing right now. And we just saw that uh, withholding amount to the state of California. And we now want to exchange. We can still set it up. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. okay. And then uh, from a timing standpoint of the rules, mm-hmm. well, 180 days or, you know, you have to identify and how many can you identify and all that fun stuff. Sure. So from the date of closing on the property sold, they'll actually have 45 days to identify a replacement property. Now, when you're in the middle of an exchange, 45 days will feel like 45 seconds. It's yeah. really not a lot of time. you so, got to do your homework. Yeah, you've yeah. got to do your homework. You really want to be proactive in locating and securing a replacement property. And uh, there, Yeah, I was going to say, how many, I mean, are you allowed to choose 50 of them? And then figure out the one that you want to pinpoint? Well, there's two rules of identification that's commonly used. The first rule is known as the three property rule. And this allows for someone to identify up to three replacement properties of any valuation. So with that, they can identify just one or as many as three. And there's no dollar restriction as to the valuation of each property identified. And what happens when they look at due diligence and all three properties don't don't match what they, they want? Well, as long as they're within the 45-day period, they can revoke that identification notice and name three new properties. But once they go beyond the 45 days... Yeah, it's over. Then you don't do an exchange. You have to do one of those. So the idea of... Sorry to interrupt you, but the idea of like... It's like this false hope thinking you've really got 180 days. Like, you have 45 days, and like Shanae says, it goes very fast. And at the end of those 40... Most people wait till the 45 days and identify. But if you don't close on one of them... It's over. You don't do an exchange. Yeah. You're paying taxes. Yeah. Now, the yeah. second role of identification is used if someone's looking to identify and purchase maybe multiple properties of lesser value, which says they, they can identify four or more properties, okay. but the aggregate value of all properties identified could not exceed 200% of the value of the property Okay, sold. I understand. And then what is a reverse exchange? Because I've heard that term. So reverse exchange, we're seeing a little bit more commonly right now in the current marketplace. And this is where someone is going to buy a replacement property before they complete the sale of the property they're intending to sell. This works great if you're dealing with clients who are cash buyers who have the you know ability to buy that new property without yeah, a lot of people, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, because a lot of people may not be able to qualify for the new one until they sell the old one. Right. And that's where Pacific Private Money can come in and help, yes. like we've done with personal residences, which are different than exchanges, but uh, this is the same sort of thing where they come in and they provide the loan for the purchase, uh-huh. and then eventually when the, then. Then the 45-day issue is not a, is irrelevant, right? Because you've yeah, already... Yeah, it's a point at that yeah. point. But what I'll tell you is that if they have maybe a primary residence that they can secure the loan against, mm-hmm. from our standpoint, they're buying all cash. So no, they'd no, be a great true. candidate for a reverse exchange. True. Um, in some cases, you know, maybe the the commercial properties are just too large in value compared to their house, mm-hmm. and so they'd still need you know a private financing if they don't qualify from a, from a bank. But I understand that what you're talking about on that end. Well, I tell you, this time goes really fast. What's going on here? We got to cut to another commercial break, and mm-hmm. uh, before we do, we do have a little uh, mention here. Now, this one is for the symphony. We love the San Francisco Symphony. Uh, Experience Mahler's Glorious Fifth Symphony, conducted by Michael Tilson Thomas, uh, starting March 22nd through March 25th at Davies Symphony Hall. And on April 26th, Holst's orchestral suite, The Planets. Uh, Take a peek behind the scenes and experience a San Francisco Symphony performance 
in the making, beginning at 8.30 a.m. with coffee and donuts. Uh, it's kind of cool. You actually get to see how, how it uh, all comes together. The, for that, you can go to www.sfsymphony.org for more details. Okay, so here is our second trivia question. Patty, well, so far you're one for one. Yeah. In what arcade game did the player attempt to avoid traffic, vehicle traffic, and crocodiles? So there was an old, there was an old, it's not a pinball, but it was an old arcade game. You know, do you know this one? No, but I, ah, I'm okay. seeing the game. I'm right. seeing the icons. 888-912-1190. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the best of investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Patty Cohen from Pacific Union International, as Mark Conf is off today. Second trivia question In what arcade game did the player attempt to avoid vehicle traffic and crocodiles? Remember, we had to go from log to log. Oh, yeah. What was the name of that arcade game? I see game? the whole thing. <laughs> in fact, it was even in a Seinfeld episode. Uh-huh. Frogger. Oh, Frogger. Frogger. I wouldn't have gotten that. Wouldn't have gotten I that just one? know the... Yeah. Okay. So we are in the studio here with uh, our one of our favorite... 1031 Exchange. No, you are our favorite. <laughs> Shanae Mabry of Old Republic Exchange. And Patty, you want to ask a question? Well, the question I get a lot, and Shanae can speak to it for sure, is um, there's a lot of misconceptions about 1031 exchanges. And sometimes people think that you have to um, sell uh, you know, like kind. What does that mean? They think if you have a condo, you have to buy another condo. Not true. And another thing, and you can you can talk to that as well. But another thing, I got a question literally yesterday, thinking that they were going to really kind of flip a house. So they're selling a building, and they were going to be buying a, a house. But that house was going to be something that they turned over and and kind of like renovated and flipped and it's like you've got to be showing income you have to show income no, no, yeah not, not a personal residence yeah. yeah i mean even if the person's going to be living there for a little bit of time like a year or something but you need to have somebody rent it right well a couple of things is that first when you're dealing with a like kind uh property. That's probably one of the most commonly misunderstood terms. And what it simply means is that if you are selling real property, you just need to buy real property. So you can go from a single family home to a commercial building or a multi-family property as long as it's going to be held for investment purposes or for productive use in the trader business, it will qualify. Now, as far as buying and reselling properties and flipping them, The IRS actually says that a property that's acquired strictly for the purpose of resale does not qualify to be exchanged. Now, this is more common when you're dealing with these flip-type properties. And so what the IRS does is they actually have the ability to look at, you know, what is the trade of the exchanger? Do yeah, they are you flip in the business properties of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For, for income? Is that their ordinary course of business? Because if it is, they might be precluded from being able to exchange Right, is the first thing. The second thing is that if they're buying these properties, let's say they had a long-term hold on the property they sold and then are looking to buy a flip property. Well, if they're buying it strictly for the intent to resell it, it does not qualify. Or if they're buying it with the intent to 
utilize it for personal use, it won't qualify. Right. I mean, everybody knows that. But at the same time, what they do, and, and the question I get all the time, and I was like, you got to talk to your accountant because there is nothing, no clear cut. I've heard one year, I've heard two years, but oh, yeah. okay, I've had this rental for a long time. Now I want to find my dream house to retire in. How long do I have to rent it? It's not even a legitimate question, really, because that's not your intent. Well, there, is, not there supposed is the two out of five year rule, right? That's for, a different for, that's, thing. That's different. That's different. Yeah. But what if you've got a, you know, fourplex that you've had for 30 years and then you want to go into your dream home and retire how long am I supposed to hold that and rent how long am I supposed to rent that and And it's like you're not even supposed to have that intention yeah so you know and I've heard from and I said you can talk to three or four different accountants and get different answers and some some people say a year some people say two years I mean I I would think if, if you're at least a year of renting it and then you move in where you've had a full year's tax return cycle yeah I would think you'd be okay yeah well, but plain. we can't answer, and neither can your accountant, really. And but that's that's the answer. So that, that's why there's <laughs> court case, tax court cases. Yeah, because so, yeah, right. they always have challenges on that. Well, yeah. you also have to think about it this way: the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board have the ability to look at the facts and circumstances yeah. surrounding the exchange or your intent to acquire the property. I had a client where you know they had that intent where they were going to exchange into a property that they eventually could see themselves living in and retiring in. And, you know, I tried to stress to them, you want to make sure that your intent is demonstrated to acquire yep. the property for investment. Yep. Well, lo and behold, we get a copy of the purchase contract from the title company. Oh, they checked the wrong box. No, no. it wasn't oh, the box. Oh. What happened? They wrote a letter to the seller telling them it was their dream home. They were buying oh, it through no. an exchange and they were going to rent it out for two years. And after two years, oh, evict the tenants and oh, move into no. it. That is just so stupid. <laughs> Let's just like, let me just map out in yeah. writing what is, uh, how you're going to Tell me. Oopers. Oops. Yeah, yeah. Major oops. No, I mean, and, and also I can tell you, speaking of other lies, what people do a lot is, you know, what people do a lot is have full intentions of having a 1031 exchange and renting that property out for a long time. And then the lie they tell the sellers with that beautiful letter and the cookies that they bake them, we're going to live here forever. It's our dream home. But that's a different kind of lie and not really about 1031 exchanges, but it's a lie. It's one of those lies. Well, that that kind of lie doesn't give you as much uh, it doesn't get you in trouble per right. se, but if you do that on a loan application, then you can get in trouble. Or at the 1031 yeah. exchange, you can get in trouble. Well, right. And also yeah. on the box on the purchase agreement that you've just told your seller that they're going to li- love it, love it, love it, yeah. but they check that they're not going to occupy. Li- <laughs> well, well I, love it as, I love it as a rental. <laughs> I know. That's, exactly. not, that's not a lie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would just love to rent this out to everyone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so if, some, like, if someone's doing a 1031 exchange, make sure you tell your realtor so you don't check the box that's going to say your owner occupying because that will blow your whole 1031 exchange right good boy patty it's like it's like you know something about real estate <laughs> almost 30 years will do it <laughs> yeah which uh, so shanae how do people get a hold of you if they uh, have more questions so my phone number it's 888-677-1031 is Ooh, that a, is that a coincidence clever. of 1031 Oh, we planned it. Of course. <laughs> of course. Okay. Uh, stick around because uh, we're going to talk some more real estate here with Patty. Uh, so, Patty, there are a couple of questions come in. One is, why is there uh, continued low inventory? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so, you know, let's just say for sure, for decades in the Bay Area, but more than ever now and in the last 
six years, <clears throat> we've had low inventory. And in fact, it's our 70th month of being out of the recession, which is almost six years. Wow. Yeah. So, and with that comes low inventory. So why? Okay. So one is that baby boomers really aren't moving. Okay. Um, because if you think about it, net, net, this is the great place to live, the Bay Area. So when it gets time to retire, which the baby boomers are doing, they start thinking about where are we going to go? Ah, Arizona's too hot. You get Southern California, kind of the same. You know, yeah. Hawaii, back east, you know, people stay. So, you know, that's that's number one reason for the low inventory. The other is Prop 13. So not only do I love living here and where am I going to go, but my property tax base is really low. Now, they're thinking about <coughs> changing that so you can take your tax base to a different county? Well, that's that? been Prop 60 and Prop 90. Prop okay. 90 was literally the last time they did it, which is 1990. And that says that if you're over 55, mm-hmm. you can keep your property tax low. However, there's only there's only 10 reciprocal counties in the whole state yeah. where you can take your tax base and go somewhere else. And that's assuming you have a low tax base. Yeah. I mean, I bought my house at, 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 the, at the height of 2006. Yeah. So they, they, it don't do me no good. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And, but if you think about it, all these people with the low inventory, they're the ones that came out with their GI Bill in the 1960s, oh, and yeah, it was a young people, couple sure. starting a family. They bought their house for $37,000 or yeah. $19,000, yeah. and they have really low tax brackets and they, bases, bases, and they, yeah. they, have, they have lived there for decades. So why are they not moving? Because if they, with the reciprocal counties, the counties where they, first of all, if you want to stay in the county you're in, you have to buy something for um, this less than what you're buying. Yeah. So most of those people in that generation, they're living in a ranch house that's maybe worth a million five, but it's a, it's a, it's an entry level house and it's a, yeah. it's a, they haven't updated it and it's 1500 square feet. That's right. Wow. Okay, when we come back, we don't have time for the uh, last trivia question. We're going to ask that next time because we have another commercial break. Don't touch that dial. The Best of Investing will be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Patty Cohen and our special guest, Shanae Mabry. Uh, let's see. We didn't ask a trivia question. We're going to ask that next time. Uh, Patty, we did get another question, though. It says, with interest rates possibly going up, how do you think the real estate market will react? Well, yeah. I mean, apparently, supposedly, I should say, rates are going to go up four times this year. I have no idea. But um, rates, of course, we all know when rates go up, prices go down. So how is that going to work? We've got a really good job market. We still have continued low inventory. And it's still a world-class destination where at one point, 40% of the properties were built with, were bought with cash. Yep. So it's not as much as it was. But so how will that affect it? It's hard to know. It, it, it will affect it somewhat because then we have the tax law changes where you can only go up to 10000 in property taxes yep. and you can only go up to 750 in your mortgage. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just one more claim in the whole mix where you go down to that bottom line number and say no. But what are you really saying no to? Because it's residential real estate. You need to buy something. You need to live somewhere. So I don't know how much it will affect the choices. Like, is it buy or not buy at all or buy something lower priced? But it won't be that much lower. 
So it will affect us, and then they'll be inching up, and it's like how to cook a frog. You don't throw them in that boiling water. You just do it gently, 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 and gently. You're just used to the rage. You're just like the frog after the frogger question, right? I know. Well, okay, so another question came in, and we were going to ask Sinead, but I think this is more up your alley. It says, I'm a realtor in Marin. Uh, With all the unique topography, it seems I always come across property boundary and easement issues. Is this common? Oh, it is. It is. I mean, and if you think about it, I mean... We've got some, in the entire Bay Area, we've got really, really old neighborhoods, like new subdivisions all over the the sprawling country with uh, suburbs. You don't have those kind of issues. But I've seen neighborhoods where the entire block was off three feet. (laughs) Right? And this actually happened in Shady Lane and Ross. So, you know, these are small lots and $3 million houses. And that three feet along the whole boundary is a lot of cha-ching. That's a lot of real estate. And... So, you know, it's kind of like some people go, yeah, we always kind of knew that and we've all got along and nobody sold. Well, the person that just spent, you know, $3 million for that house, they do care. And they're going to move their fence three feet over into what you thought was your property. And so does that happen? It's, it's a big deal. And right. very rarely do people get surveys, too. So surveys are kind of expensive. And, yes. you know, so that's where things come up. But it, it really does come up when, you, when there are setbacks of, like, the creek. Yeah, the, yeah, the creek okay. setbacks are now 100 feet in the back. That's, wow. that's ridiculous. To me, that's it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. Because those salmon are gold or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so if you've got I a... Mean, 100 feet is... that? I mean... A hundred feet. That's a lot of feet. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And so if you're going for, let's say you're going for a variance and, the, and your property is only 50 feet wide yeah. and you've got a 10 foot setback on each side, yeah. wow. it's kind of, it kind of matters where sure. that three feet is off on this, on this. No, it really does matter. If we're five feet off on the neighbor, you're going to take that. And it also comes up a lot of times with, um, you know, where you're going to put pools and fences and things like that. And it matters. Absolutely. Uh, Patty, how do people get a hold of you for more information? Well, I'm Patty Cohn with Pacific Union International. And my phone number is 415-722-4842. And I can be, you can also look me up at bestmarinagent.com. I like that. And uh, Mark's not here, but a question came in. It says, if interest interest rates appear rising, very similar to what we asked you, how will this affect uh, your fund positively or negatively? So I think I can answer that because uh, the Pacific Private Money Fund does short-term bridge loans, basically. And so it shouldn't affect it too much because as interest rates go up, the you know the principal staying the same, and as soon as those loans are paid back, then the money that comes in will go out into new loans, and those loans would be at higher interest rates. Mm-hmm, so in right. theory, uh, it should kind of float a little bit, mm. but it it's not an exact situation because the quote hard money. Uh, uh, d- Dominion, as they say, uh, is a little different than just, you know, the regular old mortgage rates. It's mm. more of a supply and demand of money. Mm. So, like, there's a, a, a price, a, not a price, but I'm sorry, an interest rate constriction in California uh, because money, there's just a lot of money here. And so the interest rates in California are lower than if we were in, let's say, uh, Arizona, where there's not as much money. So a, a deal might look as good here as there, as there but 
California is more conservative and it has more money. And so the interest rate is more closer to, let's say, 9% for hard money instead of 13 or 11% right. in exactly. Arizona. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah, it's compression, as they call it. Yield compression is, is the word. So uh, effectively, the, the fund itself shouldn't be affected too much. I mean, there, there, there shouldn't be a loss of principal, which to me is the most important thing. Don't lose money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because from an exchange standpoint, we're often dealing with clients who are all cash buyers. So regardless of what the rates do, you know, there's still some stability in the exchange market for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're more just interested in the opportunity cost of if interest rates go up, could they have invested their money differently? Correct. Yeah. That's really Well, to. and if it does affect prices, then the price of what they're selling is going to be less. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, and, but on the other side of it, hopefully the price of what they're buying is going to be less too. So, yeah. Hard to know. Exactly. But, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people, when they look at the fund, they think it's like a bond. And if you have a long term bond, interest rates go up, the price drops. Mm-hmm. But this isn't like that because it's very, very short term. It doesn't trade like a stock. So, yeah. you put 100000 in. The hundred thousand just stays the same. You just get a, dis- a distribution every month, which that fluctuates a little bit. So it's been fluctuating between seven point six percent, and uh, I think one month it hit yeah. nine, almost nine percent, because there was a little profit. They 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 took yeah. back a, a property in foreclosure. There was one foreclosure, and just like we they've always talked about, in theory, if they do good underwriting, if you foreclose on a property, you should make money, and that's what happened. Yeah. So they made a, yeah. a a small you know profit, fifty thousand, which is small profit compared to is profit. Exactly. Yeah. At least, yeah, they didn't lose it's not money. Not a loss. <laughs> it's not a loss. Exactly. So uh, again, it, uh, for more information on the Pacific Private Money Fund. Call 415-883-2150. And they came out with a privatemoneyloans.com website because, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to qualify for the fund, you have to be an accredited investor, which is a net worth of a million dollars exclusive of your home or 200000 of income if you're single, 300000 if you're married. Well, some people don't qualify for that, but they like the idea of investing in the mortgages. So they came out with this uh, privatemoneyloans.com where people who are unaccredited can just buy loans. And the yields are a little lower, uh, so they're not going to be you know 8%. They might be more in the 7% range. But you know there's still these loans. Uh, what's the interest rates paying at the bank right now? Still around 1% yeah. if you're lucky? Not enough. Yeah. Not enough? I know. <laughs> I don't even look. Who cares? I mean, what's the difference between like 0.8 or 1 or, you know. In fact, I, I I told my bank to stop paying me interest on the checking account because it was ruining my bookkeeping. They, you know, really. <laughs> oh, oh, I got I earned 8 cents this month. Yeah. I earned 12 yeah. cents a month and then they want to charge me. for. I said, no, no, just don't pay me anything. Yeah. It's a lot better. Exactly. Okay. Tell you what. We're going to go to our last trivia question and our commercial break here so do you guys remember monopoly yeah we'll see how well you know monopoly oh, man. this is a monopoly question <laughs> along with indiana avenue and illinois avenue what is the third red property on a monopoly board Wait, it, <laughs> what is it, India? <laughs> gotcha. Okay. We'll see about that. Yeah, we'll Tell me what they were. Yeah, Indiana and what? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Along with Indiana Avenue and Illinois Avenue, what is the third red property on a Monopoly board? All right. Audience out the there, go one. go to your closet, take out the old Monopoly board and look at it. All right. Call 888-912-1190. If you're the first caller with the correct answer, you're going to win that tanning certificate. All right. 
Don't touch that dial. The best of investing will be right back with some closing comments. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the best of investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Patty Cohen and our special guest, Sinead Mabry. Thank you for joining us in the studio. Here's our third and last trivia question. Along with Indiana Avenue and Illinois Avenue, what is the third red property on a Monopoly board? Answer? I'm going with Kentucky. You are correct. Oh, my All God. Right. How did that you was know very that? That's good. That's How did you shocking. remember that? You know, I played a lot of Monopoly as a kid. That's shocking that you knew very that. Very good. Wow. I thought that was kind of hard. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Very everyone hard. remembers Boardwalk and Park Place and all that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Patty, you got some stats for us. Well, it's uh, people, the big question all the time is like, what's going on in the real estate market? Is it, are we at the peak? And it's we've it's seventy months of appreciation. Yep. So, am I going to? As buyers are like, am I buying at the peak? Sellers are like, is it a good time to sell? Um, what's really amazing to me because I'm in the thick of it every day. It kind of feels like it's sort of softening a little bit. Yet, yet, seven in ten, um, you know, buyer demand is not abating amid market challenges. Seven in ten bear properties sold over asking last year for an average of 12% over asking. Wow. That's a strong market. <laughs> yeah. And then in 2015 and 16, it was it was 8%. So it's even better than those years, which were crazy years. And I, I we're back to a lot of it has to do with low inventory. You know, if, if, if people are going to be bidding it up if there's not enough buyers. I mean, not enough, not enough property. And, you know, we've been talking about that for six years now, like low inventory, lower than ever right now. Gotcha. It's a great time to sell. It's always a good time to sell in the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. It's always a good time to sell. Yeah. And it's always a good time to buy, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> really? I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Sinead, uh, any last comments before we cut out here today? Well, I just want to be a resource to not just you, but your listeners as well. So should you have any questions regarding a 1031 exchange, certainly don't hesitate to give me a call or send me an email. Again, my phone number is 888-677-1031. And my email address is my first initial and my last name. And that's S like Sam, M like Mary, A like Apple, B like Boy, R like Roger, I like India, E like Edward. At Orexco, and that's O-R-E-X like X-ray, C-O, 1031.com. Orexco, 1031.com. And... Um, it, we didn't get into the cost at all. I mean, how much does it cost to hire a tenant? Because you have to have an intermediary. You do have to have an intermediary. Whether you're buying and selling all on the same day with the same title company, you still need to have an intermediary. Absent of a 1031 qualified intermediary, you're deemed as having control over the funds, and it is still taxable to you. So our fees are pretty competitive with the rates for 1031 exchange. If someone is looking to sell one property and buy one property, they're looking at paying about $1,100 for the exchange plus some nominal wire fees. That's, that's really that's, good. That's, it's that's cheap, that, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty cheap. I know. I, I think, think title insurance... So is it not, it's not based on uh, the... Purchase price? Or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not based on the purchase no, price. No, we don't actually charge on a scale. Okay, because all you're doing is really 
I don't want to say all your money, but, but, <laughs> but you, you're not you're not guaranteeing insurance on correct. Uh, the, so you're just facilitating the. Uh, We're facilitating yeah, you know, gotcha. the exchange, preparing all of the legal documentation. Although it's a lot more involved, you know, we still are reviewing the contracts, sure. the closing statements, <laughs> and prelims from the title company. So there's a lot more involved in our part, and that we do want to make sure that our clients are going to be successful with the exchange. So you know, we do a lot of hand-holding, if you it's will. It's still very reasonable, it's though. It's a bargain. It really is. And in, in other states where they don't have title companies and they have attorneys, and if yeah. you are having, an, if you had an attorney do the exchange... It's a few thousand. Four times. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just... A, what they what title title yeah. is so cheap. Uh, it, it is. Do, do you, what's your geographic uh, area of... So I'm based in Marin County, okay. and I manage the Pacific Northwest Division oh, okay. of Older Public Exchange. So I cover everything north of San Francisco, uh, Washington, Oregon, Utah, oh, all right. and Montana. Oh, wow. And Wyoming. Okay. So you, you do cover more than uh, just, just California. I just do. Marin. Okay. Wow. Great. And Patty, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining us yet again. Thank you. I love it. Okay. We got to cut out today. Here's our thoughts for the day. It's not what I have in my life, but who I have in my life life that counts. I, I like, like that. that. Right? And life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. Another good one. Yay. Tune in next week to The Best of Investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. investing. <laughs> so long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190 or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on the Bay Area's business leader. AM 1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood... It's funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.